0: Syria fans everywhere, from our nation's capital, this is Curve America.
1: Welcome back, this is Curve America, episode 9. I'm your host, Chris Ross, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Marco Charla and Tad Burns. Marco and Tad are the founding members of the official supporters club of AS Roma in Washington, D.C., Roma Club, D.C. How you guys doing?
2: Ciao, guys. Doing well, man.
1: Better than me. I had a rough sports weekend. I've lost to Tad in Uh, fantasy.
0: Lost is just a huge understatement. Agreed. You got absolutely epically destroyed. How are you going to lose to this cripple, man?
1: Carolina Panthers killing me. Killing me this week.
0: Todd, how's your back doing right now? Dude, my back is terrible. My back, I'm just an old man now, throwing my back out, trying to bend down to pick up my pug. And now I'm bedridden. I was—I seriously thought we were gonna have to do this where I was like laying on my back on the couch, and we were like stringing a mic up from the ceiling for me to <laughs> talk about this. I'm like, I'm—I'm I'm already in pain sitting here, so
1: showing your age, man.
0: Yeah, man. It's not—it's not like I got it you know, like slide tackling, you know, an M police striker or something like that. I—I—I I, I got it
2: on a dog taking my dog for a walk, just absolute trash. First fan to tweet tonight gets to come over to Tad's place and give him a full body massage. That's I think not, that's fair, right? That's-
0: that's a great incentive. That's a deterrent
2: for yeah, anyone. I was going to say, start.
0: like, what? Are, do you have to pay for their own airfare? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Wear latex gloves.
1: What else we got going on uh, here in DC? We we should uh, mention as we're recording, there is a presidential debate going on.
0: In the notes right here, it looks like it reads presidential diabetes, and I was like, <laughs> what did I, did I zonk out and come to? And Chris Christie's president? Like-
1: <laughs> 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 no, we we should mention. Uh, I I read this today. Super Bowl comparisons to uh, to the ratings tonight, and just driving around in DC, there's like half the traffic that's usually around. It does feel like an event is going on.
0: Yeah, for- it, feel, it feels like two gunfighters are going to come out at high noon or something like that, and everyone's hiding and you know underneath <laughs> yeah. the table in the saloon, uh, you know, in case he's this I mean. This is a, a debate of, of epic magnitude, from the sense that it's like these. I mean, these two candidates hate each other. Like, if, you, if you're on any sort of social media, their followers hate each other and are yeah. slanging mud left and right. I mean, it's like the Derby della Capitale, but a, a presidential
2: debate. <laughs> I'm not sure what's more heated, Either th- this debate tonight, or or me and Chris fighting over sound checks over here. <laughs> that Mark, w- Marco, the perfectionist. I thought
0: Van Halen was going to break up in here. I'm <laughs> just, just starting to get a little bit worried. What else we
1: got? A tad threw in here, just a, a fan of Marco Polo and the Geico commercial. I, I'd have to agree with him. you sono Marco
0: Polo. If you haven't seen it, it's up on the Curve America Facebook page. And it's just hilarious. Like, Geico is so random. Like, they have the iced tea one that's great. That's a little bit more like mainstream. It's a little bit more of a, of a cheap joke, but yet it's still funny, because any time Ice-T talks period, it's funny. Yeah. What's he on, Law & Order? Or, and what, what he's, Law & Order. He, yeah, he's on one of those, and he's always... You know, he's always got the big one that I was like, you damn right, son. And it's like, that's all he contributes yep. to the show. And then here he's just like, lemonade. lemonade.
2: What's wrong with you people?
0: But the Marco Polo one, I think, is so great because it's so weird. They have like these two like chubby suburban kids swimming around in an above ground pool. And then dunked in there is just like this old Italian guy. Like no matter what, like, like if you watch Marco Polo on Netflix, he's like this handsome young Italian guy. <laughs> but here they're like, no, he's this old like befuddled you know, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure guide. He's in the pool and water, and the thing yeah. that he thinks is weird is that everyone's saying his name. <laughs> not that he's in a in not a that pool. he's in a pool. Right? With, with with you know with 16th century garb on, he also a Michael Polo. Yeah. <laughs> My mom,
1: who is an Italian teacher up in Jersey, loves that because, of course, she's saying Ragazzini and Io Sono, so she's a huge fan of that commercial.
0: Very good baseline Italian going on there, yeah. but it's just its just the actor crushes it with the, that yes. just lost look on his face, and then two just little chunkers rolling around. <laughs> I, would, I would probably throw my back trying to pull one of them out of the pool. An Italian in America.
1: There you go so uh let's get into the podcast before we begin please follow us guys uh facebook twitter instagram we got a little contest going on whoever tweets at us first a donation in your name will be made the donation being a gallon of olive oil will go to the charity of your
0: choice from marco charla obviously yes uh you can
2: do two things with it. you can cook with it or you could use it as gel (laughs) i recommend both I, right. I,
0: think, I think Marco Polo's using it as suntan lotion, in the, in, <laughs> and that works,
2: too.
1: Also, please subscribe to us, rate us, comment on iTunes, or subscribe. Uh, we're on SoundCloud as well. We're really looking for feedback on the show, so, so please uh, you know, let us know what, what you think.
0: We'd love to hear from you. Once, as always, uh, we have our um, secret producer, Fabio, and he, he's, he's the one that likes to get the, the comments, so write him at Fabio. At crewofamerica.com. dot um, we're always looking for ideas and stories, things we can discuss on the show. The three of us between back pains, toothaches, and being a fan of terrible sports teams outside of Roma,
1: oh, yeah. outside of that Roma, that was part who, of the bad sports day.
0: Yeah, uh, we don't we don't have a whole lot of creativity, so go ahead and throw it at us.
1: Yeah, um, but we will start with the rundown as always, and so here we go. For the first time in the short history of this podcast, we have midweek games to add to the discussion as well as the standard weekend games. So we'll be discussing the fifth- and sixth-week games for Syria. So, guys, that's 20 games that we're trying to cover in about an hour-long podcast. 20 games.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately for all of us, Empoli didn't play all of them.
1: <laughs> so rather than break down all 20 of them, we're going to discuss each team and how they fared in the two games since we last spoke. One of the themes we note for, for uh, this week with, with two sets of games in it, midweek games basically equal crappier games for, for the weekend. And then second, we're six games in, uh, uh, match days in. The table's starting to shape up as, as one would expect after six games uh, being played. So we're going to jump right into it. Here's uh, basically the teaser for, for what we're going to talk about this week. Juventus returning to the top of the table. No news there. Inters, continued success uh, for the beginning of Serie A and the improvements of Milan and Torino, and the absolute dominance of Empoli and Crotone at their improbable neck-and-neck race for the Serie A Scudetto glory. Thanks for that one, Tad. That
0: one, it's going to come down to the wire. Little bias there. (laughs)
1: Uh, There will be some overlapping coverage this week for podcasts, but bear with us as we're moving closer and closer to our renowned Pulitzer analysis for the top division of Italian soccer.
0: I can can just see it on my shelf over there. I can smell it.
1: (laughs) So here we go. All right, Marco has Juventus at the top of the table. Marco, take it
2: away. It was a good week for Juventus. They got two wins. Uh, they beat Cagliari 4-0. They won against Palermo 1-0. It's pretty standard stuff. Uh, Juventus is, is showing that they're, they're the team to top the league right now. They're at the top of the league. And it's, again, pretty standard. The, the defense has two shutouts. And it really is clear that these guys are getting ready for Dinamo Zagadeb, even though they started pretty much their starters these last two games. I don't know if they're just not concerned about Zagadeb or if they're just trying to get reps or, or what the deal is. What do you guys think? I don't know.
0: I, I think that what Allegri's trying to do, because he seems to be a very cere- cerebral coach, and he's trying to basically game plan, You know, almost kind of like Bill Belichick style, game plan for each individual game um, that they... That they you know, that they're playing. And sometimes these certain lineups just kind of work for that. But there's definitely an element of that the first team needs more reps, considering the very few that they got at the beginning of the season. You know, he's taken a lot of flack for not paying Iguain, no matter how much he says, like, oh, you know, I'd go that way again. But I, I honestly think that he's just game planning for each one, and there might be some repetition involved. But he doesn't see Cagliari or um, – our, our Palermo as, you know, huge obstructions to it. So he can go, hey, this is a lineup. Let's work on these few things. We'll come away with, you know, six points and we'll be on to Giannimo. I'm, I'm impressed that
1: they just constantly approach each game ready. Like there's, there's just no doubt that Juve is going to walk into the stadium and be ready. I mean, I know how deep they are, but like we're going to talk about Roma later. And it, that seems to be a problem for us that yeah. we, we're just not ready. And Juventus is, is that's never an issue yet just you know that like they're coming in with their a game
0: considering that you know some that inter maybe perhaps had exposed some of the flaws that they had and that Palermo is again a team you know that they, they win one zero on an own goal uh, by Palermo and Palermo's gonna go in they're trying for that zero zero draw right. you know they're gonna park the bus oh, yeah, right. um, they're not gonna you know they're not gonna tr- give you know inter sorry inter uh, Juventus any open you know, looks or anything like that, that they're really looking for a 0-0 draw and maybe sneak one on a counterattack. But they know going in that game, they don't really have any chance. And um,
2: yeah, again, Juventus, like you said, just comes ready. That's a good point, though, because, you know, they did lose to to Inter. It was Derby d'Italia. And I think this highlights one of the major themes that we've seen from Juve in the last couple seasons is these guys, even if they lose, they have that championship mentality, and they're able to turn it around, come back next game, and and bully and show, like, yeah, we lost. We just had a mental lapse, whatever. Fat Boy Slim. Fat Boy uh, G, son. Yo fat Kietone. Boy G. Uh, fat Boy G. Scored. Uh, again, he's got four goals this season. He's averaging a uh, goal every 76 minutes. And, it, guys, it was a classic Dani Alves goal. You know that, that goal that the ball comes across the top of the 18, and he slams it in, bottom corner. Classic Dani Alves goal. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see him scoring because I think he's a great player and I don't think he's anywhere near done. Oh no way. He can. So, he
1: took number 23 for LeBron James. I mean, yeah, man. big shoes to fill, man. That's yeah. right. Literally big shoes to and
2: fill. he says LeBron James like it wasn't Michael Jordan's number. <laughs> so I oh, that, I, that dates us. So <laughs> No, I mean, honestly, I think that Juve is in good shape. They're at the top of the league. And uh, let's see what happens against Dinamo Zagreb. I think it's going to be uh, a pretty good game in another one. If
0: you look post Sevilla and you look post-loss uh, to Derby d'Italia, a lot of things in the press were very critical of Allegri and very critical of like, hey, maybe Juventus is a little overrated. And Juventus bounces back with six points. They basically took it on in themselves. Like, yeah, we lost a game, but we're still going to come back. And I think that, you know, getting back in the driver's seat of the Serie A, it's Juventus. We'll see how Zagrin comes, like you said.
1: All right. Up next, we're going to go to the bottom of the table and go with the mighty Croutons. Crotone. the
2: garbage can.
0: <laughs>
1: Crotone So in week five, midweek, uh, 4 nothing Smackdown from Roma to be expected uh, and then again in week 6 uh, they actually played today uh, when we're recording they lost 3-1 to lowly Atalanta and it was a home game for them but they played up in Pescara stadium which is 7 hours away from Crotone so as you can imagine it's like a freshman high school soccer game the, where there's just that much how, people in the stands yeah, how little
0: how little respect does Crotone get their home game they're like uh Pescara We'll, yeah, let's we'll, go there.
1: we'll go up there, right? Um, the top headline, just, well, let's start just how they've done so far, right? They have one point after six weeks, that coming from Palermo on a draw. And, and uh, the headline's got to be for them right now. Game of the year
2: right there. Yeah. <laughs> Game of the year award.
1: The, in all honesty, the easy part of the schedule is over for Cortone, and God help us. God help us going forward. Um, the the big ones Empoli, Atalanta today and Palermo, those are the three other teams that are probably fighting relegation from how the table's shaking out. And Crotone's only managed one point. I know I'm a big homer for Crotone and the Croutons. It's been a fun story, but the question for the group guys is just how many games you you honestly see them winning. With, with that record with those three other teams
0: that depends do they get to play Serie B teams yeah no
1: it's <laughs> gonna be all top tier unfortunately it's gonna be a long year for croutons
2: I I honestly I'm I'm predicting three wins on the season like three total wins nine points three wins three total wins and then not nine points I, I think they get some ties in there but I think three total wins in the season I and mean I think that's gonna take
0: like a you know the food poisoning for the uh, Udinese team for them to play like, Snarka. Whoa! How snark did a ha- victory from? Them. Didn't
2: Aston Villa have like you know like three wins or something like last season or something? I don't I don't know. It's it was, it, ha- it happens. It happens that like you know you go like oh my god, there's so many games in the season. How the heck did they lose all those games and not win any? But it happens, man. This team is. Trash, with a capital <laughs> T.
1: I'm fearful. I mean, I'm a strong Patagorici. I'm, I'm with you guys. For all the Patagorici, I'm out there, but... You know like,
0: I think Chris once you get your Crotone jersey with the Syria badge on the arm that's gonna be a collector's item because yeah. it's they're definitely going to be the the, yeah. the trivia answer to the trivia question because
1: I mean a few weeks ago we had you know Doug Dean on and, and he did the podcast and he said it, it was possible for Crotone to limp along to Christmas get a couple results and maybe get a striker or two and and be competitive
0: again I think that might be because Doug has like a friend or somebody that works <laughs> works for Crotone because I don't think he even believed it
1: yeah. Uh, it, it's not looking good for them. You, you needed more than one point if if this is the early part in an early season. uh, Not looking good.
0: They got beat 7-1 on aggregate this week. They're awful.
2: Yeah, I don't think that, you know, Pythagoras needed to come up with an equation here. Maybe three wins, maybe nine points. Yeah, I know.
1: they're
0: throwing the mathletes
2: out there for sure. That's their first team.
1: <laughs> Forza Crotone, we need big things, guys. Up next, back at the... Top of the table again is Napoli. They got 14 points, which is good enough for second place right now. In week five, they had a draw 0-0 against Genoa. And then just recently on the weekend, they had a 2-0 win over Chievo and the Flying Donkeys. Gabbiadini grabbed one, and Hamsik scored yet again. Question for the group, is Napoli for real, guys? Can they legitimately compete with Juve uh, for, for the Scudetto?
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, they're only one point behind Juventus, and they don't have any losses. Uh, a couple of draws, Juventus 5-0-1. Um, I think that, you know, with Milik scoring braces left and right, with Calion, you know, being a golden shoe contender, with Insigne playing, you know, way more consistently than has in the past, all those things are great. Obviously, you mentioned Hamsik, and then guys like Trace Mertens, um, but I think, A big indication of Napoli being a stronger side and being really good um, and being able to compete for the Scudetto is if they're able to get Gabbiadini going. I mean, you remember he's day one starting center forward. He's the guy that they tapped to, um, you know, be somewhat the replacement for Higuain um, and Calejon and Milik have answered the bell. Um, but I think that if he gets going, sometimes just takes that first one. You know, this could be a high goal scoring team, which you know could beat anybody.
1: Yeah, that, that was the kind of the theme I thought for them so far in the season. Originally, preseason, you we were like, well, Iguain's gone. What is Napoli gonna do? And I think the headline really is, who needs Iguain? You got three big scores with Hamsik, Milik, and Callejon. Hamsik just netted his hundredth Napoli goal uh, this
0: weekend against Kievo. Apparently, when he's not plundering the, the countryside in Mad Max movies, he looks like <laughs> one of those post-apocalyptic guys haircut. with a... Yep. Uh, the,
1: he also passed Maradona recently for the all-time Napoli goals. So, I mean, he's he's doing it. I will say also, too, in, in all of the quotes I've seen from him, he's remained humble. He's focused on the team, which is really what you want to see out of a top goal scorer for your squad. Um, just... Zeroed in on. Look, we want to win, we, and that's that's just great to see. Uh, the other guys, you got Mulek. Um, he was Tad just mentioned. He's he's forecast as Higuain's replacement. He got thirty-two million dollars on the transfer. Um, he's not feeling pressure. He said he's got four goals on the season. And then uh, Cali Hon is the other one. He's got five goals on the season. Yeah, Cali
2: so. is is. he's. I mean, he's got to be top top three top four. SETI ass players right now in terms of you know what he brings to the game, what he brings to his team, and being dangerous. He's played over 500 minutes. He started every single game, and he's scored five goals, two assists. I mean, this guy's the real deal, and he's super consistent. He's been doing this for years now. Even when he was at Real Madrid, he was scoring goals. Um, so I think, you know, to answer your question earlier, is Napoli for real? Oh, yeah, they're for real. I, as a big SETI fan, want to see how they do – in uh, Champions League, I think their defense might be a little shaky, um, but you know that offense can compete against anybody in the world.
0: Callejon
2: is a very good player. Their defense is. Is
0: definitely strong. They're not conceding, you know, hardly. They didn't concede any goals in the past two, in the midweek or the weekend games. And yeah, in Europe and in the domestic league, Calejon is Calé-Hon. doing doing very well. Come on, come on, Chris, give it a, give it a shot. It's a fun name to say. Calejon. We're probably saying Calé-Hon. that wrong, too. Calejon. Right?
1: Yeah. Calejon.
0: Get, get your own Syria podcast.
1: <laughs> uh, but but interesting to see. You got Milik with four goals. Cal- Calejón with five. They're they're up at the top. Uh, Top goal scorer has six, Icardi.
0: If the big question of Napoli coming this season is, could they score goals, they've answered it yes. Uh, Four out of six points, second in the league. They're going to be tough to the end. Up
1: next is Tad with the pride of Tuscany, Empoli.
0: Yes, international fan favorite phenomenon, Empoli. Um. You know, before we start, as we reflect on this week's two performances by Empoli, I would like to point out that just because of the mere existence of Empoli FC, we have roughly 30 young men in the world. You know, these men get to realize their dream of being professional soccer players. You know, young men on this team from as close as Italy and as far as Brazil and Colombia. I mean, they even got a guy uh, named Levon from Georgia. Um, That's the country, not the state, Marco. (laughs) Um, you know, all these guys man. get to cash a paycheck every two weeks that just you know says right on it, professional soccer player. The coaches get to teach their knowledge of a game they love dearly. You know, the fans in the hinterlands of beautiful wine country of Tuscany get to file into a stadium and cheer them on. You know, let's just let's just take a second to reflect on how wonderful that is. I, f- I feel like
1: there's a butt coming after they've scored after one this goal. we're reflecting we're reflecting first
0: Empoli is a very bad team with only a small amount of talent (laughs) that commits the cardinal sin of soccer at any level they spend far more time watching the other team score goals while they spend very little time scoring any goals
2: themselves and (laughs) what's that statistic Marco? it was two goals Uh, uh, two yeah I can't think straight you flicked my forehead (laughs) you crushed you ate you're standing on my on my
0: uh, on my uh, uh, punchline yeah two goals they scored two goals in the Serie A so far. Um, you know, this week they managed to concede four goals um, without scoring any themselves. They have been shut out by, you know, two historically good Italian sides. But, I mean, that means in two games there are no goals. There are no shirts off and sprints towards the curva. There's no <laughs> sliding on the knees. There's no celebrations where players... Flick each other in the forehead and look as though they might be physically abusing you know, their scoring teammate out of sheer joy. Just a lot of things for Empoli fans to hang their heads very low.
2: On the bright side, Crotone got a goal
1: against them. Well, that's something that we should always celebrate, absolutely, Crotone scoring.
0: Committing that cardinal sin. I mean, they lose 2-0 to Inter, and they lose 2-0 from the other team from Rome. Um, and the only person that really played halfway decent in either one of these two games is Manuel Pucciarela, Pucciarelli, which is just a fun name to say. Yep. You know, Empoli continues to not be able to find the goal um, after six games. Like Marco said, they've only managed just two games and uh, only two goals. And both of those goals came against mighty Crotone. Real easy team to beat. So I have a question for, Empli, for
1: Marco, our scholar on Serie A. Legit question. Empoli has been up in Serie A for a little bit. Yeah. How have they managed to do that?
2: Hey man, they play a very humble style of soccer, and you know they—they they honestly like any lower Serie A team. They prepare for games in a tactical manner. If you look at the game against the other team from Rome, they actually had about sixty percent possession. Like the, the the shots were only nine to eight for the other team from Rome. And then you look at the Intid game, and the possession was like 50-50. Shots were nine to nine. So like the games, you know, one thing's for sure when, when the Amputee game comes on the schedule, it's going to be an ugly, slow game, but they just don't have the star talent that once the game is kind of in this, you know, varied in the doldrums, they don't have that one guy who can have that, that moment that, that sparks everything. They they just, you know, again, they're just a lower team. They go into every game super tactical and you know, both, those, of games, the they come both those
0: games where they gave up more possessions that they had they won the, the possession battle they go down early yeah um you know their defense if they want to play that type of, of soccer is just they're too much of observers if any sort of dynamic player makes any sort of good run with a good ball put on them it's a goal
1: i, I do want to keep the, the podcast positive so if there are Empoli fans out there like we're not trying to rag on them like why do you like this team? Why is it fun to be an Empoli fan?
0: Well, because you're from there, and you probably don't speak English, and you're not listening to this podcast. Right. And if you do, awesome. Great on you. And remember, that, that, Chris, we started off on a positive note. There are 30 men out there that get to well realize said. their dreams well of being a professional Italian soccer
2: player just by the mere existence they all, of Empoli. F- they, also have, they haven't given up more than two goals. So, again, so kind of positive. Kind of, kind th- of goes into this. Skrubski's the- good. Skrubski yeah. makes
0: a lot of great saves for them. Forza Empoli. Up next is third
1: place Inter. Tad, take us away.
0: Yeah, we organized this, so apparently we're going to go back-to-back some of these. But anyways, like I said, we have, or like Chris says, we haven't done this this before. But anyways, um, Inter, they claim four out of six points. They win the first midweek game 2-0 over Empoli. No surprise there. We actually just kind of talked about that. And they uh, drew this weekend 1-1 against Bologna. Um, the first game, you know, it's it's Inter riding high after knocking off of knocking off Juventus. Uh, they they win the way that I think if you're an Inter fan you want them to win, um, with Candreva and Joe Mario giving excellent service to Acardi. Acardi knocks in two, the game's over in 20 minutes basically. With Bologna, they had a little bit tougher test, um, with the one-one draw. Um, but the difference in this was is, you know, Bologna being a better side than Empoli comes out and they are not going to allow. Icardi to beat them because Icardi has been beating teams on his own um, and so they they kind of key in on him and it allows for uh, Inter to shift, and they start to uh, zero in on another attacking forward or, or attacking midfielder to try and score the goals. And this is Perisic. Perisic had a lot of great opportunities. He scored the one goal for uh, for Inter. And if you look at the film, it's basically just remove Peris, move Acardi, and enter Perisic. Yeah. You know they're dropping balls in on him, Kandreva, Benega. Um, Joe Mario you know that those three you know getting him going is gonna be a huge thing for inter going forward um Handanovic, you know he was kind of the letdown he actually has played well the the past two games um you know ever since the bear Sheva loss um, but this one uh he he should have batted down a, a, a goal that um, Mattia Destro scored and Mattia Destro I don't know what's up with his goal scoring thing I guess we talking about in Bologna but this one you know he he knocks one in that's pretty pedestrian and, you know, he just loses it. It's, it's like, you know, watching when Chris it was announced that Chris Ross won the role of Tevia in the Woodrow Wilson Middle School production of Fiddler on the Roof, man. It was just the best day ever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, my question for you guys is, is has DeBoer's group turned the corner and they're back as a serious Scudetto contender? Or are we just watching a brief spike in a team, you know, that might fizzle out?
1: I, I was hoping for it, honestly. I mean, when they beat Juve, I, I wanted them to, you know, all right, they're going to be a competitor this year. Uh, but then, what was it? The, the draw again, like with Bologna, you, it just makes me pause because, like, you know, if you're for real, you're not going to have that hard of a time with Bologna. But well, I don't
0: know. Bologna has 10 points, and Bologna is a solid team. I mean, Simone Verdi is getting going. They're a good team. I guess we can talk about that more with Bologna. And that was a good game. I mean it was it was a very exciting it was a game that Inter should have won but I think taking 4 out of 6 and um you know 7 out of your last 9 is a a title contention team
2: definitely and against that Bologna team they had 21 shots about 70% of the possession I mean they definitely were running that game and uh Tad as Tad was saying you know a couple players that are really standing out I guess what you look for in the beginning of the season is what 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 does this team bring to the table? Well, what, well, let's see what the what do they have? They have a strong back line, right? They have this new midfield that's gelling very nicely. Kandreva and Banega and Perisic, obviously great players. And Kandreva has been showing to be one of the better players in Serie a with this with those deliveries, amazing. And then they got the top goal scorer in the league. So you know, are they having a hiccup? Yeah, I think they're still trying to sort out their identity. Um I think they will definitely be challenging for the title by the end of the season. And honestly, I hope they do, you know, very well in, in Europa League, too, because, again, need to build that championship mentality to get back to where they were a couple years ago. I what think am- if
0: we remove the Kievo game and remove the Beersheva game, I think we're talking as Inter as, you know, they're definitely return to return to form.
1: All right, back down to the bottom of the table with Palermo. They are in 18th place with five points. In Week 5, they had a 1-0 win over Atalanta. And then in Week 6, they had a 0-1 loss to Juve with an own goal in the 49th minute. Uh, Goldeniga backhails it uh, past Posavec, And it's just the story of Palermo for the beginning of the season. They, they're just letting in own goals and, and just terrible-looking goals. Uh, top headline, I'd have to say, for Palermo is, for God's sakes, don't relegate us. We're going to keep our coach for a few more weeks, we promise. Uh, De Zerbi, who is the, the ninth coach uh, in, is, since last season, uh, he did mention that he's frustrated by the complacency with Palermo, which I think is a good sign for the club. Um, but uh, just the story is just giving up bad goals. Their their loan point is uh, uh, gave up to Crotone, which is not something you want to be known for as much as a Crotone fan as I am. Um then they got another own goal so so like I keep saying that's that's just their storyline the positives I'd say they got nestorovskis with two goals on the season and they got a new american owner with uh, frank cashio question for the group if you're frank cashio what are your first 3 moves would you say as as just a new owner in palermo what would you do with a team scoring own goals against themselves.
0: I know exactly what I would do. I would fire the coach, hire a new coach, and fire him, and hire another one, and fire him. Stay, you know, got to stay Palermo stack, strong. Stack
2: stack the liquor cabinet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Palermo, um, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of stinky, you know, um, but they did have a, a 1-1 draw against Inter. And, you know, if they had held Juventus to 0-0, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, that would have been a result for them. Um, I guess you know that they, they, their, their coach really needs to rein him in and say, "Hey, we're we're not too far out of this thing. We got trounced by Palermo. Sorry, we got trounced by Napoli. Yeah, but outside of that, they've been competitive in every single game, and they just need to focus on that going forward."
2: Very similar to Empoli. Here's another team that kind of recognizes their weaknesses uh, and their few strengths, and so they they prepare tactically for every game. And that's why you're seeing that they tie Palet Inted 1 1. They're only losing to Juve 1 0. But, you know, like any kind of poor side, they're going to end up. They're going to. Show cracks, and when it you know, once it rains, it pours. Napoli beat them three nothing. And as soon as that happens, you know, they tie Crotone and then they squeak by Atalanta. Very inconsistent results. You know, that this is a team that when you see them, it's probably going to be pretty boring. Um, and then they're probably going to end up at the bottom of the table. So, to answer your
0: question, Chris, what would be the first three moves? Um, I'm going to do a hybrid of all, I'm going to fire the coach just because it's Palermo. I'm going to stock the liquor cabinet, get some Jameson up in that bad boy, Jameson and grappa, and you're going to get a call, buddy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get in there and say, hey, we need a new backup goalie. And Chris Ross is going to be on the next flight from D.C. to Philly, then Philly to London, yeah. then London to Milan, then Milan to catch a train to Rome. And then I'm going to have a, a car take you to the Bay of Naples where you can catch a ferry all the way down to Palermo. and Boy, oh, boy, buddy. We'll see you on the training Keep,
1: pitch from there. Keeping it simple for me. Thank yeah. you for bringing me up to professional soccer. I'm shocked at both of you, though. For an American owner and you're the Palermo, uh, you just don't, you just bought Palermo. How is not one of the top three? I'm doing the tourism trap of going to see all the Godfather and Godfather Two sites in nearby Corleone. Well, that's
0: why I'm importing you over for better ideas as to what I would do as Palermo's coach. You'd be my consig- consigliere. So that's I'll what, be I'll yeah.
1: be your Tom Higgins and uh, also play backup goalkeeper. Wouldn't that
0: wouldn't that be interesting? The the reverse Godfather, where the Irish guy is the Godfather <laughs> and the Italian guy comes over in Palermo. His, yeah, so we just flip it over like that. Um, I, I guess. Maybe change the team
2: colors. I don't know if I can rock that pink. Don't forget to pack the olive oil. <laughs> oh, they got it there. We got plenty <laughs> of olive oil down
1: in, down in uh, Palermo. All right. Up next is a topic all of us could talk about for the rest of the podcast, Roma. Marco, you start us off.
2: I guess one word that would sum up the this past week with Roma is inconsistent. But, you know, inconsistent, I think, is being overused with Roma mm-hmm. because – Quite frankly, you come out with a 4-0 result against Crotone. What does that really mean? You know, Crotone is obviously kind of weak, but they did look very very composed, very strong. You know, Destroying Crotone, destroying too. Not, not a 1-0, a, a 4-0 thrashing. And then they turn around, they go to Torino, and they get scored on uh, two goals by Falque, I swear to God. You know, if a player leaves Roma, they got to sign a contract and the contract says, if you don't score against Roma in the first game back, then you're not getting paid because these guys are bloodthirsty every year. Uh, But, you know, they have 10 points. They're five points off the mark. I think that's a positive overall because I guess they're still trying to kind of find themselves. Um, I think the team's just really looking for that consistency and it needs to be from one of the players uh, I'm trying to figure out who that is. So so my
1: first question for the group would be, uh, on Roma, who would you guys say is the the leader, the energy guy? Who's out there kind of?
0: Well, I think the leader and the energy guy um, is always going to be, as long as he's on the team, Daniele De Rossi. Unfortunately for Daniele De Rossi, ever since he's had his captain's band stripped, you know, he he's kind of played... Pretty, with less passion seems like he's you know been neutered a little bit um, and that's kind of the player that DeRossi is he's a very emotional guy and so when things some, sometimes don't go his way he gets in a funk and it takes him a little while to get out of it so the energy guy has to be him I mean he's like you read he's the clinch fist of Roma what Toti does through you know action DeRossi does through through voice and emotion but
2: the player they have to build around is, is Kevin Strutman. Yeah, that's who I thought was going to be the the anchor of this team. He was coming back this season. And I mean, I think he is a leader on the team. I just I I don't know what's going on around him. I thought Nangolan was going to be, you know, more I thought of a he was going to be a well. lot
0: more of a presence. I thought this Darosi Strutman angle in midfield was going to be a lot more forceful.
2: Well, right, Yeah, right now, I don't know if, uh, you know, there's some players as well that I think are getting caught up in some mind games like, like al sharawi who at yeah. the end of last season seemed to be like the best buy of all times, the luckiest, you know, basically like striking gold. And I thought that Jackal getting a couple more goals under his belt was going to kind of turn some turn his uh you know his fortunes around but he was missing goals again this weekend I don't know it's it's a head scratcher with Roma you know you just you just try to stay positive and again they have 10 points um you know all to play for still the the one thing though
0: that I mean has to be in everyone's mind I mean it's in the foreground in the press is this role of Francesca Totti like you know there's all this talk about how he wants to he does he want to start or doesn't he want to start. And then he starts against Crotone, which is a great point for him to start. It's a midweek game against a bad team. Then he comes on the, you know, at halftime against Torino, and this kind of uneven balance between him and Spalletti. We talked about it leading up to the season. They had a row last year, and then this year, this week, he praises uh, uh, Spalletti praises Totti for his, uh, you know, the way his role on the team is, how he's played. But then in the back, you know, Totti's wife comes in. And, you know, starts talking trash, calls him a little man. Is, you know, is Toti going to be like, dude, that's my job right there? I mean, what, what's going on? Do you think that there's, there's something outside, behind the scenes? There's something in the locker room that's, that's keeping this team from really putting it together? Yeah, I,
1: I think the two questions are related, that we do need an energy guy. It needs to be someone in the midfields. I echo, I, I thought, Nangelin. I love Nangelin. I think he's a high-energy guy. But the whole team looks flat because no one's willing to kind of embrace this, like, the face of Rome, or the energy guy behind Rome, because everyone's looking at Totti. Like, I mean, it's the the god of Italian soccer. And what do you do if he, if he's not the guy? Who's the next in
0: line? It's, I think they're related. It's Totti's last season. Strutman's coming off injury. Florenzi is he a midfielder? Is he a right back? De Rossi gets red-carded out of the Porto game, and they get jumped out of the Champions League right away. Apparently stalling on the new stadium, which there's all these rumors now that Pelota might be interested in selling a stake of the team to bring in Chinese investors to pay for more things going on. They lose money from not making the Champions League. And again, just all these reports of an uneasy balance between Totti in his last season and Spalletti, the coach... And now his wife saying things, I don't really think that this is a recipe for greatness for this team. They got to figure it out because other players like Mohamed Salah, like El Sharawi, like Diego Perotti, you know, and like Edin Dzeko, who need that stable environment, I think, for them to be as competitive as they possibly can be is not there. And I think that the leaders of this team have to be the Romans. I think everybody's got to set everything aside. And I think that as long as Strutman and and Nangle on, I mean, Strutman with injury, who knows what's going on psychologically? Why is Nangle on as much of a nuisance as he was last year? But I think that core group of people that, you know, led the charge at the end of last season really need to step up. But like Marco said, they still have 10 points. There's still plenty of season left. There's still five off the mark. And this is a team that we saw last year is capable of winning in bursts.
2: Definitely.
1: Up next is the Dolphins of Pescara.
2: Marco, take it away. Piscara does a good job holding off two teams that have been in decent form in the, in the past couple of weeks. Uh, but they're going to be kicking themselves because uh, they, they ended up both of those games up two men. And you're thinking, you know, here's a great opportunity for Pescara to potentially beat Torino and Genoa, but they can't get it done. I mean, Joe Hart had a game in the Torino game, 0-0, zero, zero, snoozer. And in the Genoa game, where Gordon pa- Pandev gets, you know, basically red-carded for looking like the villain from Wacky Racers, <laughs> they should have they should have won. I mean, Ray Minaj... My man, Nicki Minaj's cousins, <laughs> yeah. scoring in the 85th. And you're like, oh my God, end of the game. They have the energy. Maybe they'll roll through with the win and beat Geno at home. But they can't get it done. It's unfortunate for them. They're in 15th place now. These are the games that you know, you know really you really hope that one of these newly promoted teams can win. And that keeps them afloat of the relegation zone. But they can't get it done. Now they're in a position where they definitely need to beat the teams below them. And maybe squeeze a couple points about from the teams above them. I kind of like the way Piscata plays. They they, they go they're for they're scrappy it, for chopping sure. at the bit, but they got to be careful.
0: Yeah, there are a couple points out of the relegation zone. Um, as you said, you know they, they got to they have to take as many points as they possibly can. I think a success for them this year is staying in Serie.
2: We love you, Dolphins.
1: <laughs> Up next is the other team from Rome, OTFR. So in week five, they had an 0-2 loss against Milan. And then in week six, just this weekend, they had a 2-0 win over Empoli. Keita and Lulic scored. Results to, to date, they're, they're doing all right. They're uh, in fifth place with 10 points with a bunch of other teams. Um, the biggest headline for them, I'd probably have to say, is Ciro Immobile. He leads the team with goals, which admittedly is only two.
0: I feel like I am a striker for the other team from Rome right now with my back being hurt. I feel like Chiro Immobile myself. Get <laughs> Immobile. it? Immobile. Get it? it? it Immobile. It for a second. But yeah. nah, it dropped. Nailed it. Still got it, Chris. I still got it. <laughs> uh,
1: so I think that kind of shows OTFR getting it done with a collective effort. Uh, Immobile with just two goals as a leader. Um, you know, you need the whole team there. Question for the group, really. OTFR, situated where they are on the table. Do you see them moving up much? Are they a top-three team, or is this kind of where they're going to end up uh, for, the, for the remainder of the season?
2: I don't think they're a top-three team because, uh, you know... Whoa, whoa, we get to say top-four now. Right. That's true. That's, mm-hmm. true, that's true. I don't think they're a top-four team because, first of all, I don't think they have the players in the caliber. They may, They have one or two players that that are, and mainly, you know, Chiro Immobile and... Um, Felipe Anderson. Felipe Anderson. I mean, but Chiro when he's gone off and, and tried to do big things, he's he's kind of faded a little bit. But I think that this is a team that is dangerous, especially on the counterattack. They're, they're quick. Um, but they're riding a wave right now, and historically this team, you know, does well a couple games. Everybody gets pumped up, and then... They fall off a little bit. So right now they're on a high. Uh, I wouldn't jump to any conclusions. Uh, they're playing well, you know, good for them. I'm not going to be too not too happy for them. The good thing
0: for OTFR um, is Keita had a good week. He was all over the place. And I think, um, like Marco said, since they don't have a whole lot of players, getting him going along with uh, Cherry Mobile and um, Felipe Anderson and a couple other players is going to be very important for them. Um, I think right now, OTFR is right where they would want to be. Yeah. Um, fifth place, 10 points within striking distance, you know, five points away from the top of the table. I don't think they have any illusions themselves. Who knows? You know, they might be thinking that, yeah, we're a Scudetto team. It's just ours as well. But, like, I think they they are where they want to be um, and they within striking distance.
1: Yeah, looking at the results, they're they're beating who they should beat, Atalanta, uh, they beat Pescara, they drew with Chievo, and an early loss to Juve. I I honestly think this is exactly where they're going to end up. Uh, Right there, just kind of sneaky, like you kind of forget about them, but they're right near the top. Uh, and, and I, I just, you know, to answer my own question, I think that's where they'll stay. I don't
0: think any of their own fans even know how well they're doing. They only sold, like, 15 season tickets. If yeah, you watch their games, man, there's, or something like that. yeah, there's nobody in the stands.
2: I will say i walk back my comments a little bit because Parolo and Villa are, are quality players, yeah. and they're both starters on their national teams. Um, but again, I, I, I agree with you guys. I think they'll end up where they are. Actually, probably lower, because I think Milan's doing decent right now.
1: All right, back to the near bottom of the table. Tad's going to tell us about Sampdoria.
0: Sampdoria is a team that I think that we were all pretty hyped on at the beginning of the season. They've always been kind of a pesky, middle-of-the-table uh, Serie A team, and they've had some good showing so far with uh, uh, Luis Muriel. Um, but they won their first two games, and ever since then, it's just been a never-ending streak of losing um they've lost their last four games and they appear capable of losing to anyone and just in about any way possible um in both their losses this week they lost 2-0 to Bologna and 2-1 to Calgary making that they don't have any points out of six points this week they're currently 16th with six points you know they, they they found ways to beat themselves um and particularly in this last game that finished up this afternoon um, in, in the U.S. time, where Emiliano Viviano had probably the the most bonehead play of the week where he that. comes out to to try and clear a ball outside the box as uh, Melchiori, who is a player I'm not very familiar with at all, um, is running it down, and he just whiffs <laughs> the clearance, that just the, the tap-in from Melchiori. And you got to remind that that's in the... 88th minute, that's two minutes after Samp, uh, Assamp had equalized against Calgary and oh. could have come away with a point this season. Soul crushing. I mean, they get whipped by Bologna on the road in um, both, you know, and then get red cards at the end, like uh, Barreto in the first game had a red card that was so bad. It was so bad. You know, just kicked the legs out of one of the Bologna players. You know, they, they are just losing in kind of jaw-dropping fashion, snatching defeat from the jaws of, of drawing. I guess my question for you guys is, is from what you've seen from Sampdoria so far, with two wins to start the season and four straight strikeouts, is this team t- capable of riding the ship, or is it panic time in Genoa?
2: There's a couple things we talked about. Well, first of all, I do have to say that we got a little too pumped up about Sampdoria winning the first two games against Empoli and Atalanta, and we see where those teams are at right now. Uh, but you work I, with what the information that you have. Exactly, and I, I mean, I will say that we did say that Muriel is a great player, but he kind of, you know, fades in and out, fades in and out. Yeah, he's dangerous. He showed to be dangerous against Milan, but uh, you know, you you really need players to step up in this league if you want to keep a consistent run of results, and that's not happening. You know, four losses in a row is sh- is showing you that they don't have a terrible team. They just are not a a, a, a very good cohesive unit right now. Well, I think
0: that if when they play uh, when they played Romo, they should have put on Dodo so he could have scored a, scored a brace against Dodo Rome. Bird, as we
2: <laughs> used to call him.
0: The
1: the word for me with Sampdori is is just heartbreaking because of the games I've seen them play. It, it's just like today, right? Just like you're watching this, you're a fan of their team, and oh my god, you whiffed on it, and you just gave them the result. They've always been in the games, like Marco said. And, you know, I, I think they can right the ship and, and be a middle-of-the-table team. I don't think they're going to drop down a relegation talk. Uh, I really don't. Um, but you you got to get results. You, got, you can't whiff on the ball in the 88th minute. You can't do
2: that. Up next is Milan with Marco. I think Milan can be pleased to have 10 points through the first six games, especially because in the beginning... Uh, you know, with the result to to Torino, uh, and then the result to to Napoli, you kind of like, man, this defense is super shaky. Eight goals in the first three games. They haven't given up a goal since uh, since the Udinese game. And yeah, not not to say that they've been you know super consistent, but they've been doing well. And this week specifically, they got a two nothing win against the other team from Rome, and then they got a zero zero result against um, against Fiorentina and these are big results if you're Milan trying to get back into the speed of things and you're playing these bigger teams and getting the results that you need
0: i couldn't agree more
2: so i think that baca has got five goals and he's doing he's he's carrying his weight i saw nyang score a pk this this weekend he he looked like he had that balotelli step in him like he, like he learned the you know like the you no know, he walks up slowly and uh, kind of like guides it in, and it seems like effortless. I saw Yang do that, and I was like, man, you know, these guys are playing with a little bit of confidence right now. Yang and-
0: did miss some laughers right in front of goal. But yeah,
2: if they get him going, look out. They do have t- they have players, and it looks like the defense is gelling right now. So uh, I wonder if they can keep this up. Two straight clean sheets again for a team that who
0: had uh, uh, you know Donnarumma um, and like you said a shaky defense. Um, You know, winning 3-2 at Torino or at home against Torino, losing 4-2 at Napoli and then losing two games in a row to uh, sorry losing to Udinese um, the next game. They've definitely turned it around. And I think like with the other team from Rome, um, this is a squad that's happy to have 10 points. And I think Vincenzo Montella has taken some heat off his seat and uh, and they can look forward to trying to get within the top four. I don't know. Fiorentina, they
1: missed a penalty shot, and so there's your results. Uh, I I don't think Milan has turned the corner personally. Uh,
0: I think they need to be focusing on the fact that they got clean sheets and Bacchus scoring, and they can work from there. I agree.
1: Up next is mighty Atalanta.
2: Marco, you got this one? Yeah, I think just like the Sampdoria, uh, you know, first couple games, we gave a little too much credit to Atalanta. I think we may be a little hungover from Tad's, you know, Fantastic historical breakdown of Atalanta and you know the goddess and the tanks and great. all that good stuff. Well, those are awesome stories. The tank story is fantastic. Th- thank you guys. I believe that's yeah. back in the in the third third episode. Yeah, worth checking out. Back when my back didn't hurt like crazy. <laughs> Hang in there, Tad. We're almost done. Two wins uh, in six games is 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 not great, but it's terrible if you consider who they were who they've been playing. Uh, they've only played one team that's been in the, ta- in the top half right now, and that's the other team from Rome. Uh, they got waxed by them. Uh, they lost to Palermo this week, and they won against Crotone, but, you know. It's Crotone. I think that us three and a couple other guys from uh, Roma Club DC could probably, you know, at least at least give Crotone a game. <laughs> I think uh, uh, they did They did beat a torino San's joe Hart team. Yeah, and, you know, Good game from Gomez. He scored a nice goal, uh, first goal for him, and we've been talking about him being one of the good players in in Serie A. I We I hope that he breaks out and yeah, he really hasn't showed up this year. Yeah, hopefully, he kind of carries Atalanta through uh, so, you know some some good waves right now. But what about Adalanta? my man, my man, my man? Get a red card. So <laughs> you know, my man, Frank Cassie. The Ivory Coast International, the teenage superstar, need to keep his temper. I know he hasn't scored in a little bit, and he started off hot, so maybe that's why he was a little pissy.
0: Maybe they're waiting around for that cold weather to come settling in. I don't know. But, yeah, Atalanta, we definitely have overhyped them. They, they need to start living up to expectations.
1: Time to break out the tank. Yeah. Up next, from Fair Verona, the Flying
0: Donkeys, Kievo. Tad, take it away. Yeah, you know, this is a really kind of Kievo. It's so Kiev this this week was so Kievo. It's just <laughs> so Kievo. Where they uh, they take three out of six points. Um, they beat Sassuolo two to one and just a slobber knocker, old school Syria game, super chippy. And then they uh, go on the road to Napoli and lose two zero. You know, Kievo which now they're they're left with ten points and kind of in that scrum um, of four or five teams with ten points currently. They are they're, they're seventh on gold differential. Um, but, you know, again, it, all that matters is the points. At the end of the day, it's too early for the Golder differential to really make a, make a difference. Um, but against uh, Sassuolo, I mean, they in the, in the slobber knocker game it was, their stars were you know, able to come out. Um, Lucas Castro, again, had another good game. Um, Walter Birsa again, had another really good game. Um, and after this game, we have Chievo at 10 points. Um, with victories over Inter, Sassuolo, Udinese, firmly in Europe, with a couple stars playing at this, you know, at this level, and I guess at this point, you know, what's your opinion of Kiev?o You know, they're 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 firmly in Europe. Well, then they go to Napoli, and their stars are neutralized by Napoli's defense. Um, they go down to zero, and then they had a chance to, you know, erase the clean sheet against them when Antonio Floro Flores makes basically the most classic Italian prima donna striker move ever. Um, he gets, a, he beats everybody with a through ball. has a has a defender two steps behind him. He dribbles the keeper for a tap in, but instead of tapping it in, he feels the uh, pressure or the contact behind him and, and takes a dive yeah. instead of knocking it in. So it's really tough to say with this who this team is. Um, they are in a position right now where if they go to Pescata and take three points and Roma and Inter tie or if Roma knocks off Inter, they're in Champions League position. You know, My question for you guys is, this, is Chievo really a, just a kind of a conditional two-goal loser to top-of-the-table teams, or are they the surprise Champions League team that are just caught on an off night against Napoli?
2: I just think that Chievo is falls into that group of teams in Serie A that has a bunch of kind of older, experienced players, especially in the back. You got Gobbi, Dainelli, Cacciatore, Sorrentino, the oldest of them all. And then they have a couple players, you know. I mean, Pellicier is also older, but Birsa's doing well. Lucas Castro's doing well. So they have these players that every once in a while you're like, wow, kievo has got this. Kievo's where are they going to end up this season? I'll tell you where they're going to end up. Right in the middle. Because they, again, they have the experience, they have a couple of those players, and then they have a couple of those, uh, you know, stars that are, uh, you know, having a good season in Seti that will probably get purchased uh, at the end of the season. So that's where they'll end up.
0: Somebody, at, at some point, somebody gives that donkey a Red Bull and it gets wings and flies. There you go. And then sometimes it comes crashing back down. I mean, but it, it is of note to say that they could be a top four team at the end of this weekend. God help us if is one of the Champions League teams in Syria.
1: Up next, we head to Northeast Italy. Marco is going to talk about Udinese.
2: Udinese has done much better than we've expected. I think at the beginning of this podcast, we were like, "Oh, Di Natale's gone. They don't really have anybody." You know, Duvan came from Napoli, and again, just not, not no no stars, not, no, no no noteworthy players. But right now they're they're you know it's a string of results they've been doing well they beat Milan they've tied Fiorentina, uh, this last week was kind of you know one point in two games they lost to Sassuolo but then again De Frel on Sassuolo as we'll say in a little bit he's he's on fire so you know in the in the Fiorentina game you have goals from Zapata and Danilo uh, and then you know Fiorentina ties it up. I think that Udinese is another one of these teams that will be mid-table uh, based on how they're playing right now. Because, again, earlier in the season, we were basically saying relegation zone, relegation zone for the for the little zebras. So,
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think that Udinese has proven to be a tough out. Um, they're not a team that you can just walk in and roll all over, unfortunately, like Cortone or Empoli. Um, but... There's not really a whole lot of excitement to have about, about them doing anything other than that what they're doing
2: right now, and that's just sustain out of relegation. Yep, they're probably looking to flip some young players. You know, yeah, that's they're, definitely naysay way. They're, doing, they say away they're for working. Sure. They're they're doing their dealings under you know out in the in the training camp. So
1: all I got is great jerseys. I think Tad pointed them out a couple. Oh, points. the gray ones, the away ones. Oh man, those
2: are stanky.
1: Yeah, really nice. All right, Marco is killing it. He's going to do another team for us. This time,
2: Bologna. Go ahead, Marco. Bologna's been a tough team to beat. They're not Bologna anymore? <laughs> They've been... A, they, I don't know. You know what? I'm, I'm unconvinced that they're going to keep this, this run of results, uh, mainly because Destro used to be on Roma, and we all know that Destro is in and out. And uh, maybe a little bit mentally, too, because after he scored that one goal uh, against Sampdoria, it looked like, you know... He just won a World Cup. It's like, dude, you just beat Sampdoria. Some Sampdoria some <laughs> is right above the relegation a tap zone. In. Yeah. Tap in. Tap in goal. He
0: scales the back, goes running it. He just, oh my God. He's, uh, he was spinning on his lips, man. I mean, it's like he's looking for his Nona to go and kiss her at Florenzi style. <laughs> but
2: then he goes and scores against Yinted, you know, and he's got three goals this season. So Destro has obviously an eye for goal. Bologna in general just. Is again tough, it's not side. an exciting team, not right? an exciting team. They're going to be a tough team to beat, you know. But I don't know if they'll have a chance in Europe. They're going to have to be, you know, I guess this week was a big week for them because Sampdoria and Cagliari are two teams. Um, or I'm sorry, they, they got two results one from Sampdoria and Cagliari earlier and these are the teams that they have to beat if they want to be you know if they want to meet their season goals so and a 1-1
0: draw to enter for them is a result as well definitely i think uh, simone verdi too has been playing really well and i think it's critical for them to have any sort of success in Serie A, he needs to be playing really well. Because like Marco said, Destro is going to be very inconsistent. Um, Simone Verdi is, a, I think, a, a, a quality Serie A player that might not get much playing time for Juventus, but can be featured for a team like Bologna um, and have an impact. So outside of that, they got to be holding holding, holding fast that, the, that he can make it happen.
1: So, so question for the group then. I mean, Inter and Bologna just tied with a draw, uh, 1-1 result for Bologna and bad for Inter? Or, I mean, where are we putting it on the spectrum for these two teams? Well, like,
0: as, a, as I was saying in the Inter game, that was a, a hard-fought Serie A game. I mean, it was in Bologna, and Bologna, I think, plays pretty well at home. Um, but for Inter, it has to be a letdown, considering that they, they won the Derby d'Italia. They could have won that game, but I think for Bologna, it's definitely a good result. Being able to draw a team that is superior talent-wise to you at home, that's a good result for them. Definitely. And they got Joey Saputo, our uh, our man from America's hat. Canada. Uh, he's like, yeah, the Canadian owner. I like that.
1: All right, up next, we go all the way out west to Cagliari, Tad Tad's promoted team. Tell us about them.
0: Yep, these are my boys. These are the guys I picked just for the sheer luck of me having a jersey before we started this, this podcast. But in one week, Calgary. Must have felt like the most unlucky sons of female dogs in the world, and then the luckiest sons of female dogs mm-hmm. in the world. Um, why they would feel unlucky is they drew the short straw of having to face Juventus after Juventus losing the Derby d'Italia, yeah. and they get crushed. Yep. And that's bad for Calgary because they've been playing well, and the, their last couple of games, I mean, they looked like a team... That might make a little noise and and finish mid table after being newly promoted, and then maybe be able to do some crazy things like add a couple other stars or build on their their momentum, but no, they just get absolutely thrashed um, it, it, at home. They had a 28 to two shot differential in that game, Ouch. so Calgary had nothing. Um, and unfortunately for them, they played a team like Juventus that was trying to sustain the rage. Um, <laughs> But then you know, kudos to them for bouncing back after four, th- four, you know, four zero Kulo blasting from Juventus. They come back and they get a two one win over Sampdoria. Now, albeit that's with the you know with the biggest clown shoe move of the, w- of the week, uh, Viviano whiffing the air. Um, but they do pick up three points, and they're currently in seventh place with seven points. Um, you know, I must have been crazy when I was overhyping them to be you know, maybe they'll they'll, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll challenge for Europe or something like that. I think it's pretty. Unlikely, But my question to you guys is, is you know, we've seen a lot of different Cagliari teams this year, you know, from multiple goal losses to a comeback draw against Roma uh, to multiple goal wins. Now that we've seen them both win and lose in the same week, who is this team? I
1: think they're more bottom of the table than middle of the table. Just, you know, inconsistent. And honestly, like, I mean, who would you say is the face of Cagliari right now?
0: Marco Sau. Which...
1: Is not a huge name, yeah. right? I mean, that, I think that says something. Maybe Borriello. Yeah. Maybe
2: a little bit of Borriello. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. think that uh, kind of f- taking this podcast uh, episode full circle, everything's falling into place. I mean, Cagliari is a newly promoted team, and granted, they kept some players when they went down and then came back up. They've they've held these players. Um, it's not like they. It's not like Mad was killing it. He was right. doing well two seasons ago. But you know, again, from a team that has consistently kind of mediocre players, you're gonna end up with a mediocre, you know, table standing. So it, it's it's all fallen into place. But we can still get excited when they have you know nice runs. I think
0: I think I think the thing about calories is when they play well, they look really good yeah. and they're a fun team to watch. But unfortunately, like if a team like Juventus, I mean Juventus is the varsity. And Cagliari is the JV, yeah. and it was a JV varsity scrimmage in that game. They got destroyed. Sampdoria, I mean, like you guys said, yeah, good for Kyrie to come back and be able to beat that team, Definitely. even though that Sampdoria beat themselves. But I worry that guys like Boriello and Alves are going to be the, the, the kind of guys that are going to be leading the charge, you know, for the next 20 or so weeks. Yeah. It's going to be tough.
1: Up next is Italy's darlings of Europa, Sassuolo. Tad, take it away.
0: Sassuolo, they split again the week. Um, They lose 2-1 to Chievo, and they won 1-0 over Udinese. They currently sit ninth with nine points, so three out of six points the week. What can I take away from this team so far? They look like a team that they need Berardi back in the worst way. Um, I was looking through the team stream on my phone, and there's a rumor that Taylor Swift is penning a ballad about how bad can life be without Berardi. I think the working title is No Berardi, No Party." You have to do it in some sort of accent. But anyways, um, De Frel is still looking good. He picks up two goals this week. Um, he's definitely, uh, as a strike partner um, with, with Berardi, when he comes back, these two could really make some noise. You know, they, in the 2-1 loss, they could have won, but they came up short. Um, they come away with three points, against Udinese. Again, you know... Th- Their defense is a little shaky. Uh, They do get the clean sheet against Udinese, but that's not because they have a dominant form of defense. I think it was a combination of uh, Concealy made some good saves, um, but he also got bailed out by his defenders when he was way out of position on some balls, and then just some good old-fashioned luck. They didn't defend the set piece very well this week at all, and there's some balls that went off the hardware. Um, But I guess... My question for Sassuolo is It seems like we've seen a lot of Sassuolo so far this year because they've played a lot of Europa League games and a lot of praise has been heaped on them as a small school, small school, sorry, small team that's that's over. What are we doing? A college football podcast? <laughs> um, and across all competitions, they've played well in Europe, but they've struggled in the Serie A, again, especially in the defense. I know Berardi has been hurt, but is this a Sassuolo team that can beat Bilbao 3-0 but lose? to Pescara 3-0, really a threat for Champions League this year?
1: I think they are. I, I really think they're the darlings, like I said at the beginning, of, of, of uh, Europa. But but also, you know, it's an early loss to Pescara. I, and I'm remember, we can slide. make some
0: bold predictions because there are now four teams. So. Right, right. Say what you will about that. I, I think they're a good
1: team. I like the fact that they got a lot of Italians on their team and...
0: They're two young, exciting
2: strikers. Yeah,
1: I, I like them. I, I honestly think that they're going to be a challenge and could be the Cinderella for Serie A this season.
2: I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but Sassuolo is another team that, you know, is overall pretty solid but and, and you know, rides waves. But they're going to be reliant on the two, you know, big star players that they have. And if Berardi's out then the, you know that cuts your chances you know down in no, half that, then no party yeah that you'll that you'll be going on streaks i mean you might get results because your the rest of your team is solid and then you still have De defrel but without Berradi and, and defrel firing it all on all cylinders i don't see these guys going on a long winning streak or beating any of the big teams
0: yeah they have to they have to be able to beat inter they have to be able to beat milan they have to be able to beat roma um, to get for that top four. But right now, I mean, they, they show that they can beat good teams. I mean, they beat Bilbao um, yeah. Yeah, you know, 3-0, that. but they did lose to Pescara 3-0. Like, what's, you know, I mean, what's going on here? They, it's going to be interesting to see.
1: Come on, though. <laughs> Up next is back to Tuscany, Fiorentina, Laviola. Week 5, they had a 2-2 draw against Udinese. And then in week 6, they had another draw, 0-0, against Milan. Results to date, they got eight points, which is good enough for 12th uh, on goal differential. So they're right there. They're in the middle. Um, Fiorentina, still no goals allowed at home, so they're dominating uh, at the home stand. Makes sense.
0: Uh, be reminded, though, they have eight points, and they had a game suspended against Genoa, so three point. points away. Yeah,
1: That's true. Um, the general storyline, I'd say, is, you know, they seem to be sticking together. I thought it was interesting. Um, the club is... Very happy with head coach uh, Paulo Souza. They vigorously denied uh, him stepping down in early September. And uh, fifth place finish last year and tolerable results for 2016. You know, I, I think they're doing all right. But, um, you know, it's looking at some of the, the results, you know, they beat Chievo, suspended the, against Genoa, like, like Tad said, a loss against Juve, and then a win against Roma. Those are quality results for, for a team at, at
2: this point in, in Serie A. And a tie against Milan, right, uh, this, yeah, zero, this this zero. week. Yeah, right. yeah you're right. They, you know, they, they are coming up with the results. I mean, honestly, when I watched them play against Roma a couple of weeks ago, me and Tad were looking at each other be like, God, how are we going to lose to Fiorentina right now? This is not a good team. They do have some players, obviously, uh, because... They're one of the more storied teams, or at least in the modern time. You know, at least right now, uh, they're they're supposed to be one of the better teams in in Italy. So, I think that w- the combination of that, having good players, um, and you know, pretty decent a- atmospheres, I think that they're going to be pulling these good results. I don't think they're going to be in the ch- in the Champions League no, running. No,
0: no, the, the way that Fiorentina's the- results so far this season are just why I can't get behind them as a team. It's because they don't have anything exciting about a the team. They, you know, they they play 0-0 draws to, to Milan. They play 2-2 draws to Udinese. They have BS squeak-through offside penalty goals to beat Roma. I mean, like, how did they beat us? Um, they, you know, they, they, they take Kievo 1-0. I mean, there's just nothing overly exciting about this team. And I think that the way they've played, unless they have some sort of addition in the transfer window, I think they're going to hang around where they have been the past few seasons. And that's like, they'll get a European position. They're not going to be in the Champions League. I just, I don't see them being able to put together because they don't have the raw talent. Now this week, it has to be pointed out, they do play a team with probably the greatest name of all time, Quarabag FK. (laughs) Well Beautiful. Said. I'm not even challenging. It's it probably right. Kara bag, but there's a Q in there, so I'm going to call it Quarabag FK. Throw it, Throw it on the list of jerseys that I need. The
2: Quails. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Their next Serie A game is against Torino. Maybe that'll be another one that uh, you, know, you're, you go into it hoping there's going to be a little bit more action, but they're just playing for a low-scoring draw.
1: Up next, we head to Turin, and we talk about the other team from Turin, Torino. Week five, they had a 0-0 draw against Pescara. And then week six, they had a 3-1 victory over Roma. Falca had two. Belotti, their pride and joy, uh, had the other one. Uh, we've talked that game to death uh, because we're Roma fans. But sitting with eight points, uh, that's good enough for 10th place uh, because of uh, goal differential. I'd say the headline right now, Torino's starting to run on all cylinders because they've got Joey Bag of Donuts, Joe Hart, and then Belotti, who's just come back from uh, injury, uh, you know, he scored again in in the Roma game. And if if the defense with with Joe Hart starts clicking, and then Belotti starts scoring again, we've been talking about Torino as being a legit team. And I think if that starts happening, you're gonna the the, the table's gonna see why.
0: Yeah, they uh, uh, I misspoke earlier when I said that they got beat by a uh, they lost to an Atalanta team pre-Joe Hart. Joe Hart was actually in that game, but since then, him being in Torino, and I know we've talked a lot about him, but it's, you know, it's, it's big news in the Serie A. He's had two clean sheets and this past game, he gives up, he concedes a goal, but they win three to one. And I think you're right with Belotti coming back. Um, this team, you know, is dynamic. It's fresh. They have a great goalkeeper. Well, at least a very good goalkeeper. The, the best, you know, the, the English national team has to offer. Um, but they're going to be put to the test. They have Fiorentina, and then they play Palermo, but again, Palermo almost just played Juventus to a draw. Then they have the other team from Rome, then they have Inter. So I think we're going to find out in the next few weeks who this team really actually is. And that test is really important because it's important to be able to judge them when their team is healthy. But if they're healthy and they're firing on all cylinders, this is definitely, I think, a top six team.
2: I'm really excited about their youngster, Baselli. Oh, he's good. He's been playing well. Uh, I mean, he's still coming in off the bench. Maybe he'll be starting towards the end of the, the season. I guess props to Falque, you know. Oh, no. You dog. <laughs> you know, thanks for playing well against us. You know, just following the line of ex-Roman players. Bellotti also, you know, for the future of Italy. Really excited about, you know, Il Gallo. And, um, again, just a good team all around. Joel Obi who hopefully doesn't stay injured for too long. Valdifiori, uh, Benassi, they, they got a solid team uh, from, you know, all the way back from Joe Hart, who had a great game against Pescara. They got, a you know, like I said earlier, two red cards, uh, and they were able to hold against Pescara. These are the type of games that kind of allow you to stay in that mid Uh, table to challenge these big teams when they come to your house and and they did it to roma they 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 really took them down and they outplayed them all around
1: if torino is acting like that like they're playing as a team they're really going to go places that it's a team game they're starting to fire on all cylinders on that point they're going to be good
0: bulls on parade oh my
1: god (laughs) finally we get to the last team of Serie A's table, Genoa. Everyone's
0: still out there. Everyone's still paying attention. There's going to be a quiz at the end of this. Anyone that, that, that tweets at us uh, at this point in the podcast, it, that's going to be two drums yeah. of extraversion olive oil yes. to the charity of your choice. Um yeah, Genoa um, was a team a few weeks ago. was actually at the top of the table. Um, now they're currently 11th eight points. They take two out of six points this week with back-to-back draws against Napoli and Pescara. Um, I think the thing to take away from them is is that these are both home games for Genoa, and while a 0-0 draw with Napoli is a result, a 1-1 draw against Pescara kind of cancels it out. Um, now the, the 0-0 draw against Napoli, again, is... One of the more entertaining zero-zero draws you're gonna you know you ever see. I know the whole thing. I like to say about how there are 22 men trying to score a goal and no one accomplishes over 90 yeah. minutes of play. Even though that's the point of the whole thing, it was more of kind of like one of those like pitching duels that you see in baseball, where both goalkeepers, particularly Pepe Reina in that game, um, was you know was just on his head. Um, and the atmosphere at Luigi Ferris for both of these games was awesome. Um, it seemed all of Genoa was in attendance, including maybe, you know, Marco Polo from the Geico commercials was there. And and there was a dopio appearance by rat James Franco from the Sopranos. I'm <laughs> uh, sorry, from Spring Breakers. Uh, Diego Luxalt. Luxalt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I think for Genoa, they have to do better at home. If they want to stay with teams like Chievo and Sassuolo and Bologna and Torino and compete for a spot from Europe, I think it's pretty safe to say that we can't expect a lot of anything great from these guys. They do a zero zero, they, you know, they, they draw a zero zero fist fight against one of the best teams in Europe, and then they have a one to one head scratcher against a team that just got promoted. I mean, we can sing the praises about Pescara for what they've done so far, but they are a, a bottom end of the table team. So. Um, yeah, I mean, not a really whole lot to be excited about with Genoa.
1: An interesting theme throughout this very long podcast so far it just seems to be that Pescara is, you know, they're, they're the thorn in everyone's side because as soon as we start talking about great stuff that a certain team does, there's Piscar and It's like, well, how do you lose to them or how do you draw from them?
2: It's just an interesting point. Definitely. Yeah, we're going to be seeing that throughout the rest of this season because, again, um, things are starting to sort themselves out. Lower teams are, you know, having poor results and inconsistencies. Teams like Juve, Inter, Napoli, dare I say Roma, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna start sifting their way up to the top, and and uh, things are just going falling in stride here.
0: So- yeah, and I think Genoa is probably gonna filter down to beneath all these teams that we're talking about as being a team that's gonna compete, you know, for Europe. I I think that there's no real chance of that.
1: Okay, so that does it for the Serie A table, but of course we got more soccer. We've got Europa and Champions League games coming up this week. Marco, what do we got coming up?
2: Got a good week coming up here in Champions League. Hopefully, some good results for the Italian League uh, as a whole. Juventus is going to play against Dinamo Zagreb. At Dinamo Zagreb, that should be a pretty straightforward result for Juventus. Napoli is not going to have a straightforward result, in my opinion, against Benfica, but they are playing at home, so that definitely uh, goes to their advantage.
0: I'd like to see Gabbiadini play and score well in that game. Good to see him going to Europe.
2: Sassuolo is going to gank to see if they can gank some points. (laughs) Roma is playing against Astra Giurgiu. Try saying that name. That's the monster that lives in Chris's closet. <laughs> That's right. You've named him? Yeah, I've named him. <laughs> Inter is going to go play uh, at Praha, so hopefully they can continue to their run of results right now. I think Mauro Icardi needs to start opening his account in, champion, in, uh, in Europe as well. And then we have Fiorentina playing against Quarabag. I mean, it's, it's, that sounds like a character in Harry Potter, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> it is. Between good the, the Quora bag and the Jirju, pick your monster for the night. <laughs> good night, everyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, Podcast Paisani. Thank you for staying with us for this long. We know this was a marathon. We did literally 20 games and talked about 20 teams. Uh, so thanks for sticking with us. Uh, the first time doing that when we got that many games to go over. So, uh, let us know what you think. Uh, please hit us up on SoundCloud, iTunes, all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Rate and comment. Yeah, please. You know, we really are looking to hear from you guys. Uh, what you like, what you don't
0: like. Also, I've put up a picture on the Curve America uh, Facebook page of of uh, Lex Salt and his Rat Boy James Franco and Spring Breakers look. So check that out. <laughs>
1: So check us out. Until next time, guys. We say Ragazzi, what was it from Mark from uh, the Geico commercial? Ragazzini. Yeah. Ragazzini. We say
2: Arrivederci. Io sono Marco Polo.
1: (laughs) Ciao.